0: What's up everybody and welcome back to another episode in our small group series here on the City of Hope Church Podcast. This is episode number two and today we're going to be covering pages 13 through 31 and it's sections uh, titled Are You a Christian or an Apprentice? Through Whoever Means Whoever. My name is Jeremy and with me is always Mr. Clay Bishop. How you doing old buddy? Doing good. Good. Well, this is—I'll be the first to say this is a this is a powerful few pages. Um, literally brought me to tears in part of it. Like it was—it was a good section. Well, that's good. And yeah. they, Man, needs to tear up over it every now and then. I'm a little highly emotional sometimes, though. So, but uh, but no, it's good stuff, man. Uh, you just want to dive right in. Yeah. Yeah. So the first section opens up and it it talks about are you a Christian or an apprentice, and it it dives into a couple different things, really just defining what it means to be a Christian and that language, that terminology. Um, and I, what I thought was interesting from the get-go is he he really talks about how the term Christian is not used very much in Scripture, but um, the word disciple or he the, the word he's using here in this book is apprentice mm-hmm. is used significantly more. Uh, matter of fact, I think it is three times. The the word Christian used, is used three times and the word apprentice or disciple, 269. Um, and he talks about just how to us here today in Western Christianity, Christian, really the term is just someone who mentally ascribes to the bare bones of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it doesn't really... Account for them practicing or really doing anything, yes. which I thought was an interesting um, kind of concept.
1: Right. Yes, I mean, um, like you said, Jesus, Jesus never called anybody to be a Christian, especially in the in the way in the terms that we've kind of formulated it in our culture today. He he would say, "Whoever wants to be my disciple." take up their cross and follow me, not, hey, if you want to, you know, raise your hand so you go to heaven when you die and you become a nominal Christian by that label. That's not, that's not what he did. He was calling people into a way of life specifically. And um, and one of the things that he brings out here is is that around 63% of Americans self-identify as Christians. Sixty-three percent of the people that are in America are saying, well, "Yeah, we, we are Christians," and uh, and that's it's it's interesting because that that is starting to decline. But if you look a little bit more deeply, uh, it says that the number of Christians, Americans who are following Jesus and um, basically truly going after him in the sense that we would say they're disciples, they're actual followers of Jesus, not just by name, but we can judge and kind of look into their life and say they're doing these types of things that Jesus does. And in that, they are following Jesus. That's only 4%.
0: That blew my mind when I read that.
1: I mean, look at the discrepancy there of like, you know, we name, we call ourselves Christians. But, I mean, in today's world, there's tons of Christians that, like, You know, we would say, well, that's, you know, there's people that just go to church. They call themselves Christians, but a lot of people call themselves Christians in America. They don't, they don't even go to church. Mm. Not that going to church is the thing that, that ends up making you, we'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, But, but, you know, he talks about how, which I kind of grew up as Catholic. A lot of my family are Catholics, but, but some of those, he said, some of his Catholic friends distinguish between Catholics and practicing Catholics. And I guess the question is, should we start delineating between Christians and practicing Christians? Yeah, uh,
0: I thought it was it, it was interesting because it, they they use that term as like a a cultural uh, or, or ethnic category. Yeah, it's like even in America yeah. when you say you're Christian, it's almost like you're you're identifying just a category of people you belong yeah. to overall.
1: And you know one of, one of the reasons that I like this book so much is like I grew up for me I grew up around a uh, church you know we I like I said I went to a couple of different churches as a, as a child and everybody considered themselves Christian I considered myself a Christian if you'd asked me if I was saved I would have said absolutely. And man, that, it's so deceptive because I did not live a life that was anything remotely close to a, a life that Jesus would have me to live where I would be following him in his way of life. It wasn't even close, mm-hmm. but yet I thought I was a Christian. And that's what he's saying. Are you a Christian or are you actually a disciple? Are you a follower of Jesus? In his words, are you an apprentice? Are you somebody that's practicing a way of life? that's that's different. And so when I became a Christian, I started something called a discipleship class and basically my whole goal, and I'll be honest with you man, one of my goals like I'm not much of an evangelist by by calling, you know, the the, the Bible teaches us in in Ephesians 4 that Jesus gave gifts to men and he called some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists and teachers. And Because of the nature of what I I saw in America and the nature of how God saved me, he saved me not like in a moment, but he invited me into a way of life and into a set of practices that over a year I started to implement into my life the best way that I could. And that year of implementing spiritual practices and following Jesus brought me to a place of spiritual breakthrough and an encounter with the power of God where Jesus revealed himself to me. And then I realized, oh, man, this is what it's about. It's a way of life. I'm willing to pray, I'm willing to fast, I'm li- I'm willing to go into solitude to find the power of God, then to come out and share the gospel with others and and proclaim that truth. And so for me, it's it's I e- even to be honest with you, I'm turned a little bit and you'll notice uh that a lot of times in my preaching I rarely like get to the end of a sermon and say, "Hey, I don't emphasize the hand raising at the end of service." And part of the reason I don't emphasize that, even though I think that's okay, I'm not against that. I think it's a fine starting point for somebody who feels convicted by the Spirit and needs to get connected with the church, and and maybe even they make a confession of faith that does bring a radical transformation in their life, and they can truly be saved in that moment. But overall, we can give people sort of a, a, a false idea of what salvation is if they think they simply raise their hands, okay, I said that prayer, I'm good now, no, no, no. That's that's just a beginning point for your journey with Jesus, and it's not even necessarily the beginning point that I think Jesus would give you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because we we, we kind of formulated into like Romans ten stuff, where it says, "Hey, if you if you believe in your heart, Lord Jesus was raised from the dead, and confess with your mouth that He is Lord, then you shall be saved." But one of the things we don't understand about the Roman context is that, book, that was written in the book of Romans. So we think that anybody can live however they want and just confess Jesus as Lord and they're saved. What he's saying is in the Roman context, if you confess Jesus as Lord, you were an enemy of the state because you were denying Caesar as Lord, which is what they wanted you to do. Was was right. a his. So basically you were making, to say that meant that you were laying down your life. Yeah. Period. It wasn't just a confession of faith or a statement. It was something that w- that was an indicator that if you say this, you were going to become an enemy of state of the state, and most likely they would kill you. So, so it had it had a little bit more detail there uh, in 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 that in that confession and in that. So, I've I've rambled a little bit here at the beginning, but I guess my overall point is, I I think that. It's so essential that that we don't become a church or a people that is that are content with making discipleship optional and just trying to get people to say a prayer. Yeah, we want people to live a way of life.
0: Yeah, 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 and that's what uh, the next section goes into is is talking about uh, what are are we saved to? Um, and I want to read this little section right here because I I thought it was pretty good, but um, it's it's a little kind of he says a short history tour it says from at least world war 2 in many s- circles the gospel was preached in such a way that a person could become a christian without becoming an apprentice of jesus as i said discipleship was optional something to consider later if one were into that sort of thing many converts then felt that evangelism was a bait and switch you come for the free gift of eternal life raise your hand and pray the prayer but then you were told to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. The problem is that's not what people signed up for. And so, um he he brings up he, he goes on to talk about really what is our understanding of the gospel. And I think I thought that was interesting because really that's the the sharing of the gospel and the response to the gospel is that just kinda it's what has taken root over the course of of history and and when I was growing up and, and everything else, that's kind of just the way it was that's what church was, that's what Christianity was. You were presented week after week after week with Jesus died for Jesus, you yes, Jesus, Jesus died science. for you if, if you don't want to go to hell. You know, believe in him yep. and say this prayer yeah and you get to go to heaven and that's it
1: and then you get to hear it again the next week yeah it's weekend and, and and that's and just there's, what you're... there's no teaching as to okay but how do we actually obey what Jesus taught so that we become like him and bring about the kingdom of earth a uh, kingdom of heaven on earth as, as he taught us to and so so there, there is a discrepancy he said that you know there's this there's this kind of a split between evangelism and discipleship that there shouldn't be Evangelism by nature brings you into discipleship, yeah. and that—that's the whole point. So obviously, we're we're called to go and and spread the good news, but with the good news comes a way of life and an yeah. invitation into a way of life. Um, I hate to—I had a thought. I saw something here recently, um, and I, you know, I'm I'm kind of like baffled by the craze over uh, Taylor Swift. Um, and I, I hate to bring that up. It's perfect time. But, but, but I saw, I saw recently uh, where, um, and her music may be good, I don't know. I'm sure somebody will be like, you can't be talking about T-Swift. That's my girl, whatever. Um, but I saw something here recently where in an interview, she said, I'm a Christian, and people with real Christian values support abortion. was a statement she made she identified herself as a christian you know i don't want to be judgmental but as i told you before you know in 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 matthew 7 jesus told us to judge not lest we be judged and he's speaking about something very specific there because because it, it, it has to do with a vindictive kind of a critical eye on all people to where you have a blindness to your own personal issues and you treat people with disrespect but in the church, it actually says in 1 Corinthians 5 that at the very end of the chapter there, it talks about immorality within the church and how that one of the ways that we love our, our, our fellow brothers and sisters. He said, you know, if there's certain brothers and sisters that are practicing certain things, you, you should be very careful, maybe even not even eat with such a one because you are you're embracing a lifestyle that is other than the way of Jesus and and condoning that behavior and he actually says you have to judge though he said we're not we're not to judge those outside of the church we're not to judge the world you'd have to go outside from the world to to you know to, you you, you got to you can't do that it's not about that but he said that we are to judge those within the church mm-hmm. but it's a loving type of a judgment not to say that I'm better than you but it but it's a, because that is such a deceptive thing for that woman to call herself a christian publicly because she bears no fruit yeah and 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 matter of fact she actually sings about and seems to practice things that, that just on the outside looking in quite
0: demonic looking.
1: Seem very, very demonic. Yeah. I mean she has, you know serpents in her in her, and what seem to be clear occult practices and talking about being a witch and singing about karma and stuff like that. And if you fall into that line of deception where you think you're a Christian and she, listen, if you like her music, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying that it seems like the entire world is under her spell and she has great influence and people are so ignorant. Mm-hmm. And then she makes a statement that says, I'm a Christian and people with real Christian values support abortion. That's a lie. It's two lies. She's not a Christian, one. But two, real Christian values do not support abortion. And and so I just I just see those deceptions all throughout our culture, and people, I think, just swallow it. And, and if we're not careful, you know, I know that may sound harsh, but I'm trying to say that in as loving as a way as I possibly can because we're seeing more and more people say, I'm a Christian, and people believe that they are mm. and uh and yeah. i think I think that can be quite damaging if there's not a real distinction in okay okay but are but are we really are we really Christians? are we just saying that and and are we leading people astray yeah so um i don't know
0: yeah no i th- i mean I think that's it needs to be talked about i mean I th- because like you said, that's you know we are being indoctrinated like we talked about last week. Uh, and we're being conformed, whether we like it or not. And those are the things that are mainstream right now. Yeah. That's what we're hearing we're, most of. That's what our kids are listening to. That's what they're seeing. And to hear those little statements like that, and you just simply adopt it. And and, and you, uh, I can be a Christian and, and still... Yeah, believe that it, it just it it does more damage than good. Well, and somebody's got to call it out.
1: And in the book of Jude, you know that's that's you know one of the things that I said this sermon series that I went through. I know that it was somewhat brutal for people. The one on the pursuit had four sermons in it, but but to be honest with you, man, the Lord really poured that into me and was able to help me pour it out in a way that I felt really good about. But if you read the whole context of, of the New Testament, if you read the New Testament and you're not just getting little quotes on Instagram, little feel-good quotes, but you read the entirety of the New Testament, like that's one of the things that they warn about in almost every letter that there would be wolves that come in among you, that they wear sheep's clothing. they call themselves Christians. but they live lives that are dramatically different because one of the ways that Satan is seeking to deceive the church, primarily is is by getting people to wear the sheep's clothing but inwardly be ravening wolves and and they are deceptive in nature and so calling yourself a christian as much of when you got 63 percent of the united states and people like taylor swift calling themselves christians and then trying to tell you what christian values are what to be jesus is like and it's actually contradictory to what jesus is like that is a very that's a Mass form of deception, and and literally, you've got young girls that worship her far more than they worship Jesus, and they go to church on every every Sunday with their with their parents, but they're not indoctrinated by Bible teaching; they're indoctrinated by somebody like Taylor Swift, mm-hmm. and so they say they're yeah. a Christian the same way that Taylor Swift is a Christian. Yeah, and they think that everything's all kosher and good, but but they're actually walking in deception yeah. and not living a life that Christ would have them to live. So.
0: Yeah, I mean that, that's 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 powerful. I know, for, and like you said, I know for a lot of people that's a hard word or whatever, but it's just the truth, man. And it's yeah. got to be there. It's there's coming a time, and and it's here. Like we gotta quit playing games, man. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. just like at some point we gotta wake up and and realize and and stand against some of this stuff and and really start living this stuff out, man. Because you know. It's just dangerous, and, and we got to wake up to it. And, you know, gets, so getting back to this, like, false understanding of the gospel and stuff yeah. like that, I think that what's really cool about what he says on page 19 is he goes through some of that, like, you know, you're a sinner going to hell. God loves you. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. If you believe in him, you're going to go to heaven yeah. when you die. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, the problem is not that any of that is untrue, right but it's just missing whole pieces of truth that are really really important and so what we get is not a full picture of the god like you said when you read the entirety of the new testament yeah it's like we have these little little nuggets of things that yes may be true but when you put those things into the full context of the entirety of the gospel and what jesus really offers the way that it that a person lives that out looks much different than just believing a truth i'm going to heaven when i die and then your life looking no different than the rest of the world so um, and there's and that's where the danger comes in so we have to take in the full picture um and i think this is you know i i was going to ask you even like a question because I feel like this is not a uh, a topic that is uh, foreign. Matter of fact, I think like probably the past 10, 12, 15 years, I've, and, and maybe it's just a circle of people I've been around, but you, you've heard this kind of discussion of, well, it, it's not just about repeating a prayer. Mm-hmm. It's it's about a way of life. But it seems like it's not really taking root. You, you know what I am Like it's the problem is still there and it's like, it's been a decade now since I feel like I probably first started hearing stuff like that, and it's. So it's like it's been talked about, but like, what is it about this that we have such a hard time, like, understanding? You know, what, does that yeah. make sense? It's like okay, if we know that it's not just about saying a prayer, and right. like, and we know it's about a way of life, but then like nothing ever really. Changes, you know. Yeah. And so, like, what is it that has such strong roots in in our culture that keeps us under that like false and and kind of misunderstood true gospel? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of things
1: in, involved in that. I think I think it has to do, you know, what one, one element is that it's much more easy to grow a church and reach people on a broader spectrum, I think when you take the stance of the gospel and make it more seeker-sensitive, which has been the goal of the American church in the last two decades. We we made a pretty dramatic turn, and and mainstream Christianity decided we're going to sort of water down hard stuff, and we're going to just preach a lot of encouraging things that doesn't really place a demand on people. And we're going to focus not on what you need to do, but on what Jesus did for you. And obviously... That is some that is that is a that is a necessary aspect of it. I was talking to somebody the other day, and 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 you know even when you're preaching, I mean, it's it's one it's a super difficult thing because on one hand you don't want to water the word of God down, and you don't just want to make it all you know whatever just to where you don't place a demand on people's life, but on the other hand you don't want to condemn people and be harsh. And beat them down either. So there's something beautiful about the gospel and the love of God calling people into into this union and in this relationship. But it does place a demand on your life. Mm. And Jesus actually says, it, it, it's you think, though, that it's harsh, but it's actually life. If yeah. you're willing to lose your life, you're going to end up finding it. But if you try to hold on to your life and get me to bless it, you're going to end up losing it. Yeah. And so it seems harsh. But in reality, it's just it's just the way that it is that the that, that resurrection life comes to a cross, and Jesus calls us to a place of self denial because we are sinful people, and He empowers us by the Spirit to live a different life. But one, I think that's one thing. It's it's easier to not place demands on people because we are more fleshly than we are spiritual, and so we want to, we, our flesh will naturally reject those yeah. things. It's just an easy sale. Yeah, it's 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 a much easier sale to just go the easy route with it. Uh, you know, and there, there's there's a lot of different reasons. I do like to think, though. I I per I think that, like in our church, for example, that that I notice that once when we teach on these things and we preach on these things, for the most part, I'm not. I don't know about everybody. I can't, but I like to believe that there are. You know, groups of people in our church that are saying, yeah, yeah, I see that. I I want to get into that. I want to get into the Word of God. I want to learn to pray and fast and worship and seek His face. I want to reach my neighbors with the gospel. I want to share it with somebody. I want to give my testimony to them. I want to reach out. I want to pray for the sick. I want to believe for miracles. I want to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, All of these, like, I, I see that people are going after that. I just think that in the broader sense of everything when you when you look at it and just the sway there you know there are demonic powers that that really are 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 influencing the church and people and how they view everything because i don't know you know i don't know that satan wants to completely get rid of the church i think what he would much rather have is a church that is so powerless and looks so much like the world that he can convince everybody they're christians when they're not yeah, and that that would be far more effective. And so, you know, there's a lot of uh, details into that. But but I think at some point, you know, people who s- decide I I'm, I want to go after God and they and they're and they're studying the Word of God and not just being formed by culture and TV and television and who's popular and all that, but they're actually allowing the Word of God to do a work in them. They're go- yeah. they're going to go that, that direction. Yeah. But, but, it, but you know, if you just sort of saturate yourself in, in everything that the world has to offer, you're just not going to go. So, I mean, I don't know that there's a real good cut and dry answer, but there's a lot of those yeah, elements.
0: I, and I, I don't even know that I asked the question expecting an answer. And just to clarify, too, I wasn't necessarily, you know, I was meaning big picture, you know, yeah. because I, you know, someone, uh, we were, I was talking to someone the other day, too. And that's something I've noticed in our churches is just like a, honestly, a deep hunger. Yeah. just I sense that people are hungry yeah. for the deep things of God and realize that there's so much more. And
1: yeah, there's people in our church that want to be disciples of yeah, Jesus Christ. Absolutely, they do. And it, and it is hard. Just like with myself, I want to be too. And I'm and I'm and what we're doing as a church, I think, is trying to sift through the struggles that we have together, the distractions that we have, the responsibilities that we have, the fleshly tendencies that we have to try to get that stuff out of the way to say okay, we we really want to do this thing. We want to follow Jesus at all costs. But uh,
0: there's a, I'm going to read another little section here if it's all right. So on page 20, um, you know, after talking about, you know, a misunderstood gospel and, and things like that, he goes on to say there's no guarantee that you can be a Christian but not an apprentice of Jesus and still go to heaven when you die. Jesus warned us, and this is Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Yeah. And he goes on to say, even if you can, and I'm not, I, and I'm nothing but hopeful when it comes to the mercy of God, you remain trapped in a self defeating cycle of sin and shame, and you never experience the life with God and formation into a person of love that we all ache for in the marrow of our bones. I, and I, I really love that because we all have that deep, deep desire for yes. more. And and when we just accept this watered-down version of the gospel, we never walk into and experience the full life that God wants us to have. Yeah, And that's what, you know... <laughs> so this is like a, a funny little story that kind of relates. But last week, my so my SI went out, and not my whole pelvis was out of whack and everything else. And I went to the chiropractor and he um, he snapped me back into place and, and I'm fine now. And I was talking to my cousin about it and he and he told me he's like, man, you know, going going to folks like that and getting fixed is uh, he's like it's a real life saver And he said there's man, there's a lot of people that are walking around in pain right now and, and not realizing kind of. About, and he talked about his dad, my uncle, who's now passed. But, he, you know, for years and years and years, he had terrible back pain. And his one leg was always shorter than the other. Mm-hmm. And and it like it could have been like a five-minute fix probably for him just to, go you know, and go and in place. get popped back into place. I know that's kind of yeah. obviously not fully going along with what we're talking about. But I think that's that's true in the sense that, like, you know, there's a, there's so much life and there's so much freedom that Jesus is inviting us into in this particular way of life, and and it is it it, it is hard, man. It to, Jesus calls us into a narrow way of living, and I love his definition of narrow. Yeah, uh, and I want to get to that in just a second. Um, but but again, the the point being that there's there's so much more for us, and a lot of us are walking around and we're stuck, and we're honestly miserable and we know that there's so much more. Yeah. And and there is healing that gets offered to you. This way of life is offered to you. Yeah. Uh, and, and coming into the a right understanding of, of the things we're talking about is the key that unlocks all that and kinda, you know, snaps you back into place, so to speak. But uh
1: Yeah, and and, and again, we we say this a million times, but simply put, salvation is not a ticket to heaven yeah. when you die. It is reconciliation through the blood of Christ to into a relationship with God the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. Christ in you, the hope of glory, where he comes into your life, he forgives your sin. And yeah, you do inherit eternal life, but it begins in the here and now. And one of the things he says is it's not just about getting you into heaven, but it's about getting heaven into you. It's not just a transaction where he gives you a ticket to heaven, but it's a transformation where he comes and lives on the inside of you. And he starts to heal all of your wounds and transform who you are and put love in your heart and then empower you to begin to live a life free from sin. So Christianity even isn't about you know, moralism or doing everything perfectly, but it's about falling in love with God once again and having that intimate union that we were designed for in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. That's what eternal life is all about. And a lot of people may think that's boring, but man, that's what you were made for. When you hear God speak into your heart and his voice is becoming real to you and there there is a joy that, that from being filled with the Spirit of God through intimacy with him, that that beats everything and it's just honestly it's ridiculous to assume that we can say a prayer and go to church but never have any intimacy with God the Father and live just like the world in bondage to sin and 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 somehow that's 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 what that, that that's what we should want that's that's good thank god we yeah. get to live like the world but he gives us a ticket to heaven when we die no 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 this is something where right now man god wants to flood our lives uh, with with everything that he is and and so it's much deeper and and he's trying to to transform who we are from the inside out
0: amen yeah he he talks about you know we're wildly underestimating all that jesus intends for us yeah and and i, and I love you already said that but you know it's not just about us getting to heaven but about about heaven getting into us and that's man just such a, a beautiful picture. There's just so much more to it all than we've made it out to be.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, go ahead.
1: Well, I mean I, you know, he said what would someone hearing your gospel naturally con would someone that's hearing your gospel naturally conclude that apprenticeship to Jesus is the only fitting response. And um and I do I do think, you know, there is um this element of consumer Christianity where we have focused more on and and I love to preach it, man. Like I, I even, sometimes I feel pressured to preach it. Sometimes I feel like it's really good because you know, you can't, you can get into a place where you are living under condemnation. You feel like you're never going to measure up. You feel like you can't pray enough fast enough, et cetera, et cetera. And in, in that in that particular mindset where Satan is bringing condemnation on a believer, they really do need to get lost in what Christ has done for them. Mm. They really do. That, that I, I, I remember when I just had that understanding of the gospel and of justification and of the fact that when I came to God in Christ, uh, that all of my sin was completely washed away And I became holy and and forgiven and set free and sanctified before God just as if I had never sinned and was the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, not based on anything that I had done or would ever do, that I couldn't earn it, I didn't deserve it, it was righteousness that was imputed to me as a gift. And, and I even when I fail, I fall back on that. I always tell our church that, you know, when, even when we fall, we fall on the ground of justification. We remain the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that, that righteousness is a gift. And I think what happens is we want to avoid works righteousness. And we don't want it to be, you know what I'm saying? We yeah. don't want to say, you got to do this, 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 and, th- and then you'll be saved. Because yeah. that's not what salvation is justification uh, you know and and salvation we say is a process but the beginning of it is simply it really is faith you are saved by grace through faith yes not of works lest anyone should boast you can't pray more fast more pray for more people preach more gospel to earn this salvation that's not how it happens but the the thing about it is is this salvation produces something in you and it invites you into a way of life and it, and it invites you into a a relationship with Jesus that that actually changes everything and i think one of the points that John Mark Comer is making is like now he you know his his difference is this he's going to say i agree with all that stuff right there that that that, that you know we don't want to we, we can't be saved by works but works he would say Works are still essential. Yeah, works yeah. are still very important, and you still actually believe it or not, still need to put some effort out. Yeah, because he quotes Dallas Willard that said, "Grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning."
0: I love that. Grace,
1: love grace saves you in a way because you can't earn it by your works. But when grace hits your life, it empowers you to work. Yeah, and so then you have a grace based, in a grace-empowered effort that comes out of you to say, here's what God says. These are his commands. This is what he's told me to do in order to follow him. And grace now enables me to work that out and yeah. to practice those things and to be transformed even more deeply and to enter into even greater union with God and to have even more of the healing power of Christ transform my life so that then it can flow through me to heal others. And so, we're not saved by our efforts, but that grace that does invade our life does produce an effort in us to where we, we, we participate with the life of God to receive greater transformation and live more and more like Jesus.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's an either or thing. No, both and, that, and. And,
1: and that's the thing about all, all the things in Scripture. Like, you, you know, I think sometimes Paul said he preached the whole counsel of God. And I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, and we were talking about different preachers and how you, you know, some f- focus on this, some focus on that. But Paul really tried to hit all the quadrants of the gospel, so to speak, you know. And in his whole letter, you would see that from front to back because if you just, if you just read Romans 4, you would think, well, man, all we have to do is, is believe, you know. Uh, but but then but then, you know, then he he lays out Romans five and Romans six and Romans seven and Romans eight, wrestling with sin. It's like, Oh, okay, no, but I gotta walk in the spirit too, you know. <laughs> and so so there's there's yeah. there's deeper elements that go on into this in the entirety of all this. So it's there's no really short cut and dry answers, but Jesus said it like this, Matthew seven, twenty four through twenty seven. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. And that's the key. See, that word practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And so when it comes to how I treat people or how I deal with relationships or my spiritual practices of prayer and fasting and giving and all those things, he says, anybody who hears these words, these things that I tell you to do, and doesn't actually put them into practice. And, you know, back when I used to play golf, you know, I practiced because mm. I was trying to get better at it. So you, he's saying you actually have to put them into practice as if you're looking, like, as, as, as if you're an athlete trying to get better. And and if you do, then if you don't, it's like you're, you're a foolish man who built your house on the sand, and, and when when the rains came, it destroyed everything you had. The storm came and blew it all down.
0: That's one of the reasons I like that word apprentice too, yeah, because it just makes me think of like you you're you're going and you're training, yeah you're, you're watching someone do something it's you're showing me how to do this, and then you give me the opportunity to do it yeah and i'm I'm following the way to learn and to be like that person and to 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 actually like you said put into practice these things
1: yeah he said he said, you know, can you imagine Jesus um kind of to say right after what we just read but don't worry i'm about to do it all for you and then, honestly i can't tell you how many sermons i've heard preached and just by what people think are great preachers in today's world and really uh, some of them are some of them really are but they do they do exactly what he's saying here they would read that from Matthew 7:24 through 27 but after it say something like but jesus is the one who does it all for you so you don't even have to worry about it. Yeah. you know so they reverse it but he said can you imagine jesus actually reading that and then saying but don't worry i'm about to do it all for you you don't need to do a thing because that would be works-based righteousness and it's bad yeah. No, he's saying, I, yeah, I'm about to save you. I'm about to die in your place. I'm about to be your substitution so that you don't have to bear the weight of your guilt and your shame and your sin. And I'm going to set you free and I'm going to impute my righteousness to you. But then I'm going to give you a Holy Spirit and it's going to empower you. But guess what? You still have to exercise your will to come into agreement with what I say and put it to practice in your life and to become a disciplined person yeah. so that the kingdom of God can flow through you. Yeah. It's going to take your will and your effort and you're going to have to become a disciple. But the other one sells a lot better. Right. You know, and it and it's a lot easier.
0: Yeah. And if anybody likes ease, it's me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, but, uh. Yeah, it's easy to count number of salvations and everything else when you're just <clears throat> counting hands and this and that. And it's, it's much, much you, more difficult to live out a life of someone and, ima- and
1: go through. Imagine how that number will, will stack up in eternity of all the pastors who took to Facebook and said we had so and so that we had eighteen salvations this morning, based on what a hand that raised up. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. how do, how's that going to play out? Yeah. in 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 eternity in the kingdom, uh, nobody counts. Nobody ever says, "Here's how many disciples we've actually made, and we have ver- verifiable <laughs> proof of that," yeah. which would be weird anyway. But but I think. Maybe maybe we're getting a little bit cantankerous in all of this, but but I think the the overall point is to say, you know, and that's what he says. Here is that this is a way of life. They weren't called Christians in the Book of Acts uh, three different times. They called them followers of the way, and that's that's a road or a path. So it's not just a theology. It's not just where well, you believe in good solid Baptist doctrine, so you're going to go to heaven when you die. And it's not just ethics. It's not just uh, doing this or doing that or going to church or loving people, but it but it is legitimately a a way of life where Jesus is saying, "Will you adopt my overall way of life so that you can experience the life that I have have to offer?" Mm-hmm. Um, and that's you know he quotes Callisto Swear, which says Christianity is more than a theory about the universe, more than teachings written down on a paper. It is a path along which we journey in the deepest and richest sense, the way of life. And that's, that's, that's really what it is. I mean, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. And, um, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life, John fourteen six. And a lot of times people do misread that statement about, you know, who's, who's going to hell and who's, and who's going to heaven. Uh, but it's far more likely that he was saying that the marriage of his truth, right? And it's so, so if you follow his lifestyle and his practices, but also apply the teaching of his truth, then you will end up experiencing his abundant life.
0: Yeah. And I think that's really just what we're trying to argue throughout this whole podcast is it's, you know, it's so much more than just one thing. Yeah. Like, yes, it is. It's the truth. And, and there, there is an element of a person raising their hand and, and coming into a relationship with Jesus and, and making that it. first step. And yeah. that, all that's part of it. But there's also an, an entirely, there's another section that we sometimes leave out because it's hard. And that is when we actually put into practice and follow along in the ways of Jesus. And we start yeah. doing these things and, yeah. and, and, and entering into being a disciple. Um, and entering into an apprenticeship. Um, and I'm just going to keep going here. Yeah. Um, but he says, there is a way of life modeled personally by Jesus himself that is far beyond anything else on offer in this world. It can open you up to God's presence and power in ways most people only dream, but it requires you to follow a path marked out for you by Jesus himself. And in Matthew seven, thirteen and 14, it says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. And he goes on to uh, talk about, you know, one interpretation being that, you know, essentially only a few people are going to go to heaven. But I love his interpretation here, uh, which basically says the way of Jesus is narrow, meaning that it is a very specific way to live. Yeah. And if you follow it, you're going to find life, both in this age and the age to come. But broad is a way that really the, the majority of culture is, is following. Yeah. Um, and, it, it, you know, it's follow the crowd and, and basically doing whatever you want to do. And it's the way that most people are choosing to live. And so I really like that, that what Jesus is calling us into is a very specific way of life, and it is one that, if we choose to follow on that road, it leads to life.
1: Yeah, yeah that's really good, and I and I think that's the key. You know, I don't know that it, 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 when when Jesus started to call me, I'll say this: when Jesus started to call me, um, and I felt convicted. You know, like I, I've I've said this a million times, but I said the sinner's prayer so many times, and nothing changed. Yeah. Because the sinner's prayer is not the is not the key to life, Jesus is, yeah, <laughs> and I mean and and so but when I started opening the Word of God and I began to seek God, and I saw you know this even little pieces of the way of life that Jesus is saying, do this, you know, do this, implement this, and I start to see who Jesus is and what he's doing, and I'm in his word. I'm developing a prayer life. I'm learning to worship. I'm implementing spiritual practices. I start to fast some, and I'm seeking God, and in that seeking of God, my lifestyle, my patterns of of life start changing, and then it starts to unlock something in my heart. The Holy Spirit starts to work more deeply, and I implement those practices even more, and then greater transformation comes, and then finally an encounter with the Holy Spirit that just breaks that stuff off, and it just pushes me even deeper. I want even more. And and what and and the, the the fight that we have as Christians is and I've and I have it as well and I've talked about this in the last few messages that I've preached. But what I sense is, you know, the world and the devil and the flesh are working full time to basically undo that discipleship and get you to start going the broad way yeah. and just fall up under that sway. But the Holy Spirit is saying, no, 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 stick to this narrow way, stick to this very specific way to live and keep those practices in place and keep following me because when you do that, you find life. And it, anybody who actually does it, they end up, they do, they experience. They're like, I say it all the time, none of us have ever went through a season of really seeking God and cutting things out of our life where we said, man, I wish I hadn't done that. Right? Because you start to sense the vibrant life and joy and peace that comes from it. Mm. And And so that's what... That's what he's trying to bring us into, and 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 I think when we just follow the crowd, that's where we end up, is we we fall to pieces, and we never really reach our promise or our potential. But in Jesus, I'm I'm convinced that there really is abundant life. So, yeah. and he you know he finishes, and this this is, we'll finish up here.
0: But uh, this is the section that broke me down pretty good, man. It's it's yeah. really powerful.
1: Well, and it's just simply this that it's not these These things may seem difficult um and he you know jesus even said the way is hard, yeah um that's 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 what he said um and and so there there there's a there's an element to that mark eight thirty four though he says whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me mm but the key that he's focusing on here is not not that they must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me which is which is a requirement but it's that whoever yeah and and it's not just that you you're not just like these other like we talked about last week you're not uh, the cream of the crop you're not the apostle paul you're not the elite you're not the smartest of your class yeah it's whoever from whatever background you could have been in great sexual sin you could have been a homosexual you could have been a drunkard you could have been a tax collector, you could be in any realm of life, you could have been a fisherman and a nobody, you could be people that well, a person that most people consider to be dumb. But you you choose to follow Jesus, whoever will follow me. That is that is whoever wants to come to him, you can come and follow Jesus and he can make you into something that you're currently not.
0: Yeah, which in that day would have been r- like ridiculous to say. Yeah. Because like as a rabbi, like a rule um, they, they would never risk rejection, and, and they would be the one doing the rejecting. Mm-hmm. And, and so they wouldn't just offer that to to anybody. Um, and, and I guess where it got me is uh, well, a couple of places, but it, it kind of made sense. He, um, you know, he talks about, you know, Simon Peter when he decided to, you know, Dro- uh, you know, accepted the invitation and he dropped his nets and decided to follow Jesus. I've read those stories before and been like, it, it just seems crazy to think yeah. about. Like, oh, you're you're doing this work, you're you're fishing and and this and that, and then all of a sudden, boom! This guy walks up, says, "Come follow me," and immediately you drop your nets and you go. and And he kind of uh, tells a, a, a little story here um, that kind of breaks it down. If as if that were to happen today, so um, I'm just going to read this because I thought it was it was really good. Let me attempt a clumsy adaptation from our our era. Imagine you're a high school dropout who always dreamed of becoming a professor. You wanted so desperately to go to college, but you couldn't get accepted. Now imagine you're working a dead end job in the food service, low hourly wage, and long monotonous days. One day you're watching the clock from behind the cash register. A world-famous professor from a prestigious university walks through the door on a pit stop from his worldwide book tour. He takes uh, an instant liking to you and says, if you come with me right now, you can become my student. I'll give you a full-ride scholarship. You can live in my home and study under me, and I'll teach you everything I know and give you access to all my resources. I believe that you have the capacity to one day do what I do. It It will be the hardest thing you've ever done, but it will pay dividends you can not possibly imagine, but you have to come with me now, and when I read that, it was like it, it clicked, it kind of made sense, yeah, like anybody would be like, full ride, yeah, scholarship, yeah. like you're just gonna take me under your wing and like give me access to everything you got, and that's what these guys were being offered, yeah, um and that's the same invitation that we have in Jesus. And he goes on, and he says, you know, Jesus invited them to become his apprentices, but before they believed in Jesus, he believed in them. Yes. And that just, I mean, it just broke me, honestly. Well, I think about that. You I know? mean, you think about the moment that Jesus
1: came for you. I mean, if I every, honestly, probably the, the reason I cry the most is because, I'll be sitting there with the Lord and I'll go back to the moment where he showed up in my life. Yeah. And 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 loved on me and and like just you could tell he saw he he saw something in me far beyond what I saw obviously. Yeah. And he was so he was so happy to finally set me free and to show me the truth and then to invite me on that way of life. And and I think when you see that man it's like it's it, it's it is, like you said even in the reality i remember i remember how excited i was to start to live live that way yeah like i was just so pumped i was so excited to be able to let go of all that other stuff finally and so it, it it's difficult to understand how the flesh in the world deceives us into thinking that somehow there it has something to offer us that's going to be better than following jesus because there just isn't anything that's better than that so what what a gift
0: yeah i mean i often so often think of everything that i'm not you know and everything like and how unqualified i am and everything that i've not done or i'm not doing and you know don't measure up and this and that and to understand that he he sees the potential in me he wants me and and he's inviting me into not just this like Believe in me, it Like he's like he's got this life yeah. ahead of me that if I and if I choose to follow him, that's so much greater than anything I could ever imagine. And it's man um, when you when you realize that 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 that's what springboards you into wanting to follow this way of life. Yes, um, and there's something
1: there's something about that dynamic, like you said of just how broken and how how much of a mess we are. And you see that with his disciples. I mean, they're constantly blowing it. They're asking the wrong questions. They don't understand. They do foolish things. And he rebukes them sometimes. but, But you're following someone who really believes you can become like him and do what he did and impact this world. But he knows that you're not going to be perfect. And that's where his perfection comes in. And that's where his grace and mercy comes in. And that's where his kindness comes in. So day by day, we are becoming more like him. And man, we've got a long way to go. But he fills those gaps where we fail with his love and his mercy and his grace and his cleansing. And it's there every single day. His mercies are fresh and new. And you get to walk in a relationship with a person who loves you that much. We are pursuing the end goal of becoming like him. But at the end of the day he's constantly filling those gla- gaps with his love and his mercy. And yeah. that's just, that's a good relationship to be in that's to, good. to apprentice that man. It ain't like, you know, you, you apprentice me, I'm going to get mad at you on occasion and probably be a turd, but, but <laughs> but like he's, he's going to be perfect in his response to you always. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. So Jesus believes in you, you you guys that are listening, um, follow it's it. possible. And, and, What he closes with, too, but it's not inevitable. It's not just going to happen by chance. No. Um, And this life can be your life. All you have to do is let go of your nets. Yeah. Mic drive. Following. Good stuff. All right, thanks for joining us for another episode. It's been such a good one. Hope you enjoy it, and we'll talk to you on the next one.